1: We're all parents and of course it makes sense to kind of keep them occupied to hand over a, a tablet for you know for a couple of minutes get them to watch an episode of their favorite show i don't think parents should be vilified for that that's completely understandable but there's a difference between that and and the tablet becoming the babysitter
2: Welcome to Honesty Box, where we find the answers to the questions you thought were off-limits. Hello, I'm Alex Beard, and welcome back to Honesty Box at The Balance Club, where we ask the questions that you want the answers to, no judgement and no topic is off-limits. As always, if you'd like to submit your own question for this series, you can do so anonymously at www.thebalance.club. Just click on the podcast option and a question box will pop up for you. Today, I'm thrilled to say I'm joined by Dr. Linda Papadopoulos. Linda is one of the most well-known and respected psychologists working in the UK today. Her 17-year career as a research scientist and practising psychologist has led to her work being published in some of the most well-regarded academic journals and given rise to a high-profile media career. Dr Linda is a Chartered Counselling and Health Psychologist and Associate Fellow of the BPS. She has worked in various treatment settings, both privately with her own practice and in the National Health Service. During her 14 years as a Chartered Psychologist, she's gained extensive experience in counselling of individuals, couples and families. That is why Linda is a great person to sit down and discuss with me the question today, which is, how can I make the internet safe for my kids to use without banning it completely? I have two young kids, too young to have their own devices, which means I've told myself internet safety isn't something I need to stress about yet, but I know, deep down, this isn't true. I'm just being a bit of an ostrich about it. It's just the mountain seems a bit too high to climb and I don't even know where to start. So I, for one, am grateful for this week's topic. So the question that we're answering today, which has come out of the honesty box, um, is the internet is a terrifying place for my kids to be. How can I make it safe for them to use it without banning it completely? This question, obviously, lots of parents think about this, but I'm always... I guess for me, I always want to know, how scared should we be? It feels like there is a lot of fear around kids on the internet. How scared should we be?
1: Look, uh, I I kind of feel that the reason that it's so scary for parents is because unlike anything else, it seems to me that our kids are doing things that, you know, before us. So it's not like driving that we did first or cooking or crossing the road. This is the one thing that they're like, ah, here's the game, here's the app, here's the website, whatever the case is. And I think because of that, that fear of the unknown is often what drives it. So, you know, the the internet, like anything, is a tool, right? So, you know, it's useful in some ways, in a lot of ways, in fact, but it can be detrimental in others. So to me, it's all about kind of how you use the tool. And it's, it's kind of, you know, you should be fearful about not speaking about how to use it, not what it is, if that makes sense, right? Because I think the minute you kind of turn it into that, you're going to be indeed more reticent. So I've worked with Internet Matters for years. We do a lot of research in this area. And one of the things that that we know is that what helps is like parents kind of, you know, a kid mentions, I don't know, Snapchat or Fortnite, you know, get, get on, look at how these things are set up, you know, watch how they play, go on to sites like I am, kind of figure out how to, um, tweak things like privacy settings, like what loot boxes are. It's always, it's this new language, isn't it? Get accustomed with it. And the more you're able to do that, then the more I think critically you're able to focus on the things that might genuinely be dangerous, rather than having this amorphous feeling of like, oh, internet bad, internet scary, because it's it, it, it's not necessarily fair to say that at all.
2: I guess those sort of things where where children are, like you say, playing games online with other users or Snapchat or Instagram those are all things that we can recognise but if we are talking say about very young children if we're starting right back at the point at which kids are first exploring the internet through whatever means bit tablets, TV whatever how does that start? How do we start looking at that through the lens of a parent trying to raise a child responsibly around that tool?
1: Uh, It's a brilliant question I think First things first, you know, kind of think about what protection you have on that tool. What what is going on? There's so much more now than even three or four years ago in terms of making it age appropriate, making it time appropriate, right? There's these amazing apps that kind of stop. <laughs> the app switches off after twenty minutes. You know, you do know that. There's things that allow you to kind of track what they're looking at. There's things that allow you to keep things out and they're very easy to use or designed to be easy to use. So I would say before you hand over the phone, the tablet, whatever it's going to be, spend some time thinking about these measures about safety, privacy, appropriateness, all of that. The second thing to me it's it's kind of you know I remember back in the day we'd speak about you know media literacy it's just literacy it's the same thing online you know it's it's your child kind of interacting with information right so think about what that is and, and look we're all parents and of course it makes sense to kind of keep them occupied to hand over a, a tablet for you know for a couple of minutes get them to watch an episode of their favorite show i don't think parents should be vilified for that that's completely understandable but there's a difference between that and, and the tablet becoming the babysitter, you know, the, the person. I think at really thinking clearly about that. The other thing that I would say is you need to speak about it with kids early on and often. Again, it's like anything else. Can I take a bus to school? Well, you're five, no. And when you're 10, we'll go on it together. And when you're 10 and a half, maybe you go on it with a friend. By the time you're 12, maybe I'm okay as long as you text me when you get there. It's the same thing with the online world. Can I... Get, you know, uh, a social media character, Can I play a game? Well, as long as I know that you're on, that you play in front of me, that I have access to your passwords, great. And as you get older, we take off the training wheels. We go from a tricycle to training wheels and eventually we're we'll like, but this is a developmental process that I think happens over years. So having those conversations consistently is key.
2: I think that's really interesting because, I mean, I've got young children. I've got a three-year-old and a five-year-old. So my five-year-old is just beginning, you know, he knows how to access Google via our, you know, our Google Home Hub in, in the kitchen. And he asks YouTube for videos. And so I, I don't have any anxiety around him using those instruments. Um, and I'm not having conversations with him about, you know, people on the internet or privacy on the internet, because that's not how he's using it. He's looking at Lego videos. But at the same time, YouTube is has every video under the sun there and not all of it's appropriate so it i the only conversation i'm having with him at the moment is we only ask for lego we're only looking at lego because that's what i'm happy to to look at and i guess like you said the word developmental was really interesting to me because it's sort of like it's steps isn't it precisely
1: and and look absolutely it steps across the 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 kind of the child's lifestyle but i think also for you there's some stuff that's going to be in your court there's some stuff that's going to be to do with them right so you don't have to have a conversation with a you know with a young child about putting on those privacy measures but you should put them on <laughs> you should look into them yourself so if by you know um, I remember my daughter being really interested. I mean, she's 18 now, but back in the day, she was collecting rubbers, erasers. I remember one time sitting next to Google, she was typing in funny rubbers. And of course, rubbers <laughs> is also the word for something. And I remember it was like, oh my gosh. So, you know, again, something that I hadn't, you know, thought of but I kind of thought okay so I didn't obviously explain to her what was going on but I you know you know she was typing it near me because that had been a conversation that we had so I guess you know the point is as well what do you do on your own and what are the conversations with,
2: with your kid there comes a point also that this is like you say it is a tool it's so important that they understand it and they can harness its power because it's going to be part of their learning it's part of school and it's very much part of life now I, I guess how do we let give them training wheels but also give them freedom without without feeling like we're scared we're we're anxious about this
1: brilliant question look um i i kind of i kind of when i hear you say that i kind of think a question that i get asked more you know i think more than almost anything else which is like how much time how much time are they allowed on and to me it's about um about this notion of time well spent so if my you know child was on you know, a site looking up um, something they were very passionate about or doing research for something in school, I'd be happy for them to be on there for an hour, you know, for longer. If my child was on a pro-anorexia site or speaking to complete surgery, 20 seconds is too long. 10 seconds is too long. So it's about what are they doing? And I think that's how we have to think about it as parents, that Absolutely, it's a tool. And frankly, it's a tool that is going to be a big part of their learning, right? So again, they're, either, they're less likely to go like sifting through journal articles at, at, at libraries now. It's, it's online, likewise for their projects. So it's about kind of understanding what they're doing and having those conversations with them. Again, I think um around that, even when it's stuff like that, I often think about the source. I think that's a really great way to have a conversation because it probably will be introduced as learning. So, um, you know, it's something that anyone who studied history knows a lot. What's the source? Who's saying this? So I use that a lot with sort of young people to talk about things like gossip. Things like opinions that might be really unhealthy or mean. So, what's the source of that? Who's saying that? What you know? What are they trying to get? There? So, again, it's this kind of you know, mid, you know, media literacy, digital, you know, citizenship that needs to come into that as well.
2: I mean, when you when you cited the two sites that you wouldn't be happy for your kids to be on for any time at all, it suggests that you need to be aware of what they're looking at all the time. Because I agree with you; you don't want your kids looking at eating dis- pro eating disorder websites or anything similar. But if I'm not there when they're looking at that or they're doing that on their own laptop though because they're of that age. Hold
0: up.
2: it's that's I guess where where the anxiety is isn't it
1: absolutely and look um again you know along the sides of that like first age of exposure for most kids for pornography is around 11 now right Mm -hmm. so yeah so you're absolutely right so what do we say to that well I would say talk to your children before a pornographer does about relationships. I would say talk to your children about um, healthy ways of understanding body image before uh, someone who has a very serious disorder does online. So, you know, and, and warn them. Just say you will come across things that are are lies that are really disordered that won't help you and you know what this is what I want you to do so what you do you're right you're not going to stop them seeing everything you know they they will stumble whether it's you know even if you have things at home they might go to a friend's house and stumble on it there what you want to do is keep those those lines of communication open and one of the things again that our research shows a lot of kids Oftentimes we won't speak to their parents about it because they're afraid you're going to take away my tech. So if I tell you that whatever I you know, stumbled on something inappropriate or I'm you know someone's bullying or something's happening, you're going to take away my tech. So one of the conversations needs to be we're on the same side here, and I understand that the place that might be making you anxious or you're being bullied on is also the place that you might be speaking to your friends on and learning from and engaging. So we're not going to you know I you know we're on the same side. This is not what the root's going to be, but we're going to have to speak about it so we can solve it. And this idea of being very solution focus which i think is a great parenting tool anyway there's a solution to every problem and it starts by defining what it is so if you you know checking in with their feelings what's going on what's happening
2: that's really interesting because it kind of goes back to the question that's being posed here which is how do i make it safe for them without banning it completely and so you're saying that shouldn't be on the table if you want if you want there to be a healthy dialogue between you and your kids about their online activity. Don't let banning it be on the table.
1: Absolutely, I think it just it makes sense. I think we change how we use it, right? So if I'm, you know, if I'm being bullied online, if I'm being sent inappropriate content, right? Well, let's kind of figure out how we do this. So with the inappropriate content, we're going to look at these filters. Let's have a rule now that if you're out of the house, it's not something that you look at. If someone's showing you, you don't want to see it, let's kind of find the line that you say. It says, "Hey, guys." Really, like, that stuff, you know, grosses me out. I don't want to see it. Give them the mantra. Great. Likewise, with, you know, with um, what they have to post with, what they have to engage with, whatever they're anxious about, allowing them those tools to kind of navigate around it. And when they hit that roadblock, knowing that they can come to you. And even if you don't know, again, because you're in it together, but I don't know right away, we'll figure this out. And I think we know that the kids that deal with it really well kind of have that open communication.
2: What about people who are listening to this, who perhaps have children who who are older than mine, who are accessing the internet, who are using it, and they're sitting here going, I feel like the horse has bolted a little bit for my kids and, and I want to rein it in. I want to sort of have, I don't want to use the word control, but just have a bit more of an idea about what my kids are doing and have a bit more safety awareness around it. What advice would you give to them? Because like you say, this is new for most parents because we didn't grow up with this.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And look, um... Yeah. there's it's a, this is a great quote as I get more information I'm allowed to change my mind and it's okay to do that with your kids it's to be like hey I was you know when we decided that you could do this I didn't realize that you were playing games with people who you didn't know they think so if you want to continue playing this game uh, we need to look at the features around who you're speaking to because I feel more comfortable so it's okay in terms of the, the horses bolted also I think there's something about kind of and again I think we tend to find that um, with girls, it's a lot about posting. With boys, it's a lot about gaming, right? So, And this, of course, changes across the lifespan. But again, having sort of, to me, sort of those teachable moments around that. So that's interesting. You're posting this picture of yourself that actually looks nothing like you, wearing something that you don't normally wear. Well, why do you feel you're doing that? Why are you doing that? What does a like actually mean? What is connecting? So I think, again, it's not about having that sort of punitive That's it. We're not doing this. It's more about well. Here's what I see. I see that every time you're on Instagram for X amount of time, you actually seem more anxious. You seem lower. So you know we're going to moderate this now. We're going to look at how much time you spend. We're going to limit that. We're going to look at whose whose accounts you're following, and we're going to discuss it. So and it's I think it's absolutely fine to do that. You're a parent. You wouldn't let them walk down any street on their own, and just because. You didn't realize how, you know, dangerous that street was. Doesn't mean you can't kind of say, hey, I'm going to walk with you a few times just so I can make sure what's going on here, which is what's effectively happening.
2: If, when you say those things about, you know, posting and and you're changing your appearance, you know, be that filters or poses or whatever. I mean, they are big conversations that I have with myself that are part of my peer peer group's concerns. It's very much part of the sort of culture at the moment of like what is social media and what is it doing to our mental well-being and it seems that's almost what terrifies me more about my kids accessing the internet is its impact on their mental well-being because of this weird veneer that it puts across people's lives
1: and look it's interesting to see you know you kind of look across the different platforms and i think what's fascinating is, is kind of seeing the difference between, for example, um, Instagram and TikTok. So, you know, again, Instagram is very stylized, very performative in some ways. You know, TikTok is, while well, still you have a lot of performance on it, it just feels uh, like it's rougher. It's, it's kind of, it's, and it's interesting because it starts off, you know, start off as an app for kids sort of posting videos of themselves. So I think, again, I would encourage parents. And individuals, parents going through themselves, think about what's what's your why? <laughs> what's your why for being all these? And of course, we want to connect, we want to feel part of a group. This is visceral stuff, this is evolution, this this lives in ourselves, right? This technology is new, but the need to belong, to be validated, to be that that's as old as time. But is this the best route to it? And what I would say is, you know unlike our kids where online and offline kind of sort of meld into one, I think most of us as parents have a clearer distinction. But precisely because of that, I think we need to sort of think about, I always speak about this idea of an emotional five a day, right? We do it with their food, don't we? We're like, yeah, I have enough you know, tomatoes and cucumbers or whatever. But I think when it comes to their emotional side. I think part of that is like, yeah, you've connected with your friends, uh, you know, online, or yeah, you felt good because you posted a picture someone liked you. Tell me what's happening in real life. Who are you, what, When's your next sleepover? When did you hand in something to a teacher? What did they write that you felt good about there? What did you create? So again, that emotional five a day, you want their sense of self, their identity, their their sense of competency, not just to be related to the online world, but wider.
2: It kind of touches on, you touched on it there, the kind of real world versus online world. And I think that's another real point of anxiety that when I went to school and say there was some drama kicking off in our friendship group or there was some incident of bullying or anything like that, I went home, I closed my front door, I was safe. There was no way that that drama could follow me into the house because there was it happened at school, it happened where those people are. Now, the, with connectivity, with the internet, with everything... It can be everywhere. You know, that that drama can follow you home because it's on your phone, it's on your computer, it's on social media. And that is a real concern for parents. a concern for me. I know it's a concern for other parents. How do we monitor that, that kind of not being able to disconnect from anything because you're connected?
1: Yeah, I think that's, again, somewhere where I think you need to kind of have some clear boundaries, right? So there's a few things that we know, for example. So um, we know that memory consolidation is affected by being interrupted. So studying while your phone's next to you is a really bad idea, right? So I think that's a really easy one because, yeah, that's fine. You know, while you're studying, though, the phone's in another room where it's kind of on a shelf and I'm happy for you to take a break at 30 minutes or 20 minutes and look at it but that's how we do this because we know this like we're learning about these things likewise in terms of sleep we know very well now that the blue light has an effect on sleep and we know that young people really I mean we all need sleep but young people really need sleep right so yep this is the time where mobiles are off right you know where screens are are off and by all means you know read a book you know you can speak on um yeah i don't know, speak on a phone that you're not kind of looking at someone facetime whatever it is what you know whatever it is but that needs to be off so again this idea of of how we kind of measure like the, the time that we're on and, and and having those boundaries i think is critical i think the other thing to say here though as well is be careful to do as i say not as i do and i'm going to have a caveat here as well, because obviously i I know that a lot of us, especially with lockdown, you know, works now become a thing we do, not a place we go. So having your phone ring you during dinner, you know, you might have to take that call. But I would absolutely make it clear that the only, if that's the case, the only reason I'm doing this is because this is what I have to do because, you know, I actually have a mortgage to pay. <laughs> I have to pay. This is not about me checking in on Goss with my friends. This is not about me kind of, you know, shopping or whatever else. So, you know, I would model appropriate behavior. However, don't be afraid to have, again, different rules for you because you're a parent that works, but discuss them. Don't, don't just accept that they, they should know that. If
2: Talking about screen time, and, and you touched on it earlier and you, talk, you, you spoke about, you know, quality over quantity. I'm always quite mindful that, maybe it's my own issue, but I, I feel the the language around screen time is, can be quite judgmental. And especially in this last year where, you know, screens are provided respite for knackered parents, have allowed parents to work when they've got two kids at home who needed entertaining. Do you think there's still a stigma around it? Do you think there should be a stigma around it? Should we still be mindful of it?
1: I think we should be mindful of it. I think anything that our kids feel compelled to use. And look, I, you know... I think we need to be kind of clear here that um, there's a lot of persuasive technology designed into keeping us all on these screens i know when the last time you watched one episode of anything was but i haven't been able to watch one episode of anything for a long time and i know i'm a shrink i know how that works i know they they start the next series immediately so i almost have no choice right i know that they they kind of advise me to watch things like i know how all this stuff works and this stuff is behavioral psychology this is science so you know um you know again we speak about gaming sort of gaming used to be kind of a product, sorry, addiction used to be kind of a product of gaming was a consequence. Now it's a part of game design. So when you're telling that 12 year old, get off that game, There's like 50 people that like me on the other side that have designed every color, every reward, every sound, every game to ensure that he or she can't get off there. So do we need to be on top of it? Yeah. I mean, I get what you're saying. Of course, we're not going to vilify screens. We all enjoy. Thank goodness that we had screens over lockdown. I get that. But that certainly doesn't mean that we shouldn't use them with some proportionality, both in terms of what our kids absolutely are watching, but also in terms of their emotional repertoire involving other things as well.
2: But what, chance do we stand as parents if these games and apps and everything are so enticing are so engineered to fit our brain and our needs that you know mum's standing there going come on off you get
1: look that's a great question I think that's a big discussion that's being had now you know in Silicon Valley so you know it's interesting they're kind of you know uh they they used to kind of you know bravely say this is a persuasive technology unit now they're you know they're not saying it in the same way so those are discussions that I think tech certainly is going to be answering for in the next few years but I think as parents as well this is your house, right? You know, this is the way it works. You can switch that up and you can explain, this is the way it's gonna be. You have half an hour every day or an hour because actually this is an important tool to try and learn. I'm not saying it's easy, but that self-regulation, you know, I don't want, it's the same thing like, you know, not eating another five jelly beans. Jelly beans are delicious. There's <laughs> Now I get it. It's going to be easier doing that than having all the persuasive technology. However, there are strategies that we can use. One of which is getting used to the rhythm of this is how much time I have. This other one of which is kind of once you change behavior, going into something else that you either gives you a sense of, um, of mastery or a sense of pleasure, right? So don't just switch it off and then just sit there. All right. Now we said once you do that, we're going to go into whatever cooking this meal together, you speaking to your friend, you going out to play your, you know, I don't know, your soccer match, whatever the case may be. So, yes, it's hard, but I, you know, I think I'll be damned if I kind of like don't don't stand up and kind of make sure that I have some volition over or allow my child to feel they have some volition over this as well.
2: So, I feel like we should say that, you know, it's not all doom and gloom. The internet is an incredible resource if engineered and harnessed properly.
1: Thank God for the internet. You know, our kids were able to learn, at least, you know, in some way over the last year and a half. You know, it's such a great equaliser in terms of, you know, allowing sort of, you know, uh, not just knowledge, but businesses to thrive, sort of social movements. It's an amazing tool. You know, as is FIRE fire can burn things down or it can keep the world up, you know, as are not. So I don't think we should fear it as an instrument. And I think that's, I think the main message with parents, you know, it is, it does feel massive and big, but actually most of our kids are using a handful of apps and games get on top of doing it understand it and then understand what the worries are so is it privacy is it inappropriate stumbling on inappropriate content is it kind of beginning to feel like you're addicted and kind of look at which of those applies to your child and there's an abundance of help and resources out there access them Um, and and we know that you know once we do it's like anything you know with any once you start kind of moving in that direction you know that definition of the problem begins to feel more manageable so you can cope
2: that was going to be my last and, and final question, which you have sort of touched on. Have you got any resources that you would recommend? Where would you be pointing parents to?
1: Definitely Internet Matters. They have uh, an abundance of resources. I've got a bunch of videos on there explaining how to speak to children of different age groups, which are great. But also, they you know, they have things like if it's this game or if it's this website, these are the technical ca- things that you need to know about it. So there's a lot there. But I think um, my, my other tip would be is just speak to your kids you know um in many ways because of this mesh between the online and offline world whether we're speaking about body image or whether we're speaking about relationships or bullying like we're saying or sex it, it comes both ways so when you're speaking about it
2: ensure that that's a part of a conversation as well linda thank you so much it was so informative and interesting thank you so much for joining us today and being on the podcast as always thank you for listening and we'll see you back here next week